Good morning, my friends. Welcome to another edition of the Josh Scanlon podcast. It is a May, Friday, May 18th, 2018. And in uh, the swamp lives, my friends, the swamp lives that uh, Donald Trump talks about. And I'm going to share with you just a <laughs> an article I saw on my Google feed from The Hill. And if you're political at all, you'll know what The Hill is there. You cannot get much more swamp infested than The Hill, that's for sure. Um, the headline is Soda Industry CEO to head the head life insurers group. And I just uh, <laughs> caught my attention because soda industry. Soda is horrible. It has done devastating stuff to especially poor folks in our in this in our society. I see these kids walking around with freaking 40 ounce cups from 7-Eleven of Coca-Cola. It's just, it's horrible. It is horrible. It eats you alive from the inside out. Soda is absolutely horrible. Yes, Atlanta is a home of Coca-Cola. I get all that. And, you know, I appreciate that, you know, some of these firms are starting to see the light and offer more uh, healthier stuff. At the end of the day, it's addictive as all can be. Sugar is addictive. Look, I'm addicted to sugar. I, I have a sweet tooth like you and believe, and it's hard, it's hard to fight it back. I'm telling you right now, sugar is addictive. I don't know the neuroscience behind the dopamine it gives me. I don't know, but, man, I love candy. I do. Um, but the best thing I ever did, I never was a huge soda drinker in terms of like Coke, but I always like orange Fanta, uh, grape Fanta, and, and other things, and ginger ale. Uh, when I gave up drinking alcohol, I just went to drinking ginger ale without realizing that ginger ale is full of sugar and sugar is so bad. And then I read Gary Tobbs' book, Why We Get Fat. And it was just like the, the, the light went off in my head that, hey, this is horrible for you. Even though you're not drinking uh, alcohol, sugar, while it doesn't make you drunk, it, it just it, it, it's, it's horrible. There's just no other way around that. And anyway, the point about that is soda is so bad. It's so bad. It gives you high triglycerides. It gives you fat. It gives you everything that life insurance companies don't want. And I did an episode on this on my YouTube channel about how I was uh, not quite declined for life insurance, but I had a, a bad rating as if I was uh, the same as a smoker. And I couldn't believe it because I don't smoke. I don't drink. But the facts were my triglycerides are high. My BMI was high. Body mass index is what BMI is. BMI is silly, but that's what the life insurance Companies use to measure your uh, health, which is dumb. But at the end of the day, I get it. They're looking for obesity uh, because obesity uh, can lead to heart attack, which can be lead to premature death, which means the life insurance companies are going to have to pay out. Anyway, so they look at BMI, they look at triglycerides, they look at LDL, which is a low uh, cholesterol, and they look at HDL, which is high. Um, they don't want your low cholesterol to be high, and they want your high cholesterol to be high. High cholesterol is your good one. Your HDL is your good cholesterol. Your LDL is your bad cholesterol. Um, at the end of the day, not much truth of uh, what a cholesterol does in terms of your ability to have a heart, your presumption to have a heart attack. I think the last science I read on this triglycerides are indicative a lot of times in terms of your, you know, your obesity, uh, have a heart attack. You, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, if, if you're a lot of people who take a lot of sugar and take are going to have high triglycerides, which means life insurance companies uh, are hesitant to offer you premium ratings. And so triglycerides are the probably one uh, in, indicative thing of your ability to uh not die so the life insurance company has to pay out 
So drinking a lot of soda, what does that do? Well, it, you know, they're going to claim it refreshes you, which is silly, uh, but it will give you high triglycerides, give you obesity, and most likely cause you to have a heart attack or diabetes in the future, uh, which means you're going to die prematurely and the life insurance company is going to pay out. Uh, so soda is horrible unless we want people to die early. No other way around that. Cigarette smoking is horrible unless we want people to die early. No other way around that. And so when I looked at it, I saw this lady, uh, and I'm just going to read you a little bit of this article, going from the soda industry to the life industry, I, I, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. I'd be like the head of, you know, Phil Morris going to the head of the life insurance industry. Everyone would, you know, mock that, but yet soda is the same thing. It's the same thing. And here's some of the articles. Susan Neely is leaving her role as president and CEO of the American Beverage Association uh, to helm the American Council of Life Insurers. Should be joining the organization this summer when the current president and CEO uh, resigns. Oh, the current president and CEO, Dick Kempthorne. Now, where does that name ring a bell? Dick Kempthorne, was he not a senator of, I want to say, uh, North Dakota or South Dakota or Idaho? Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Dick Kempthorne. Yes, indeed. An American politician who has served as Secretary of the Interior under George W. Bush. Uh, he was a United States Senator from Idaho, served one term, and governor uh, from 1999 for 2006. He is known for as a conservative, particularly his economic views on economic issues. So here's a senator, then a governor, who serves as the Department of Interior, Secretary of Interior, and then he goes on to serve as the ACLI, American Council of Life Insurance. Sure. So he steps down. All right. So who replaces uh, Dick Kempthorne? Oh, it's Susan Neely. And where is Susan Neely from? Well, she's led the soda industry group from 2005. Before that, <laughs> she served as one of the creators of the Department of Homeland Security and worked up for the department during the George W. Bush administration. She also established the advocacy and public affairs efforts for the Association of American Medical Colleges, among other experience in the public and private sectors. Uh, in a statement, Neely said she looked forward to taking on the new rule. ACLI's success in state, federal, and international forums have placed the association as members in a strong position to lead the public policy. And then and, and this next steps needed to help Americans obtain long-term financial peace of mind. Why do you need long-term financial peace of mind if you're going to die early because all the, the smoke, uh, the soda you've been drinking. The group spent $3.2 million to lobby the federal government from January to October last year, more than $4.5 million in all of 2016. Uh, let's see. She's the right person to lead ACLI during this time when it's so important to advance policies to help American families obtain the financial retirement security they want. Um, Kemp, Kemp, there you go. Kemp Thorne, who previously served as a senator and governor and secretary of interior under Bush, had a total compensation of more than $2.3 million in 2015, uh, and he, he was set to expire in 2019. So, and that's under Bush. Um, and Obama, now Obama is even worse when it comes to the media. All these guys from CNN, Time Magazine, look at Jay Carney from Time Magazine to be Obama's spokesman. These guys from CNN, I mean, it's just a revolving door for all these guys. So on the Republican side, they they uh, serve their Senate and the governorship and then take on a lobbying group, you know, Trent Lott. All oh, just the swamp, my friends, the swamp. They are self-serving. They're all for themselves. It's insane. It's Republican and Democrat. It's Republican and Democrat. And I'll say it again. It is Republican and Democrat. 
which is why there's got to be a difference, which is why Trump, in my opinion, is a man of the hour because he goes in there and he'll knock heads. And to be perfectly honest, Bernie Sanders, I mean, being a socialist, I wish he was more legit, but he's not. I mean, he's part of the swamp, too. Just look at his wife. She got the role of running a college in uh, what a Middlebury, Connecticut. I mean, not Connecticut, Vermont. I forgot the name of the school was um, because she was wife of a senator. It's a swamp. And she made those guys go bankrupt with these freaking loans she took on where she told the Catholic Church she's going to use their land. It's just it's horrible stuff. Was Trump part of the swamp? Did he have to engage in swamp-like tactics and his real estate mechanisms? Absolutely. You cannot not get involved in a swamp. Um, there's just no other way around that because a swamp owns all, essentially. So Trump had to be part of it, but at least he's getting out there to try to bust it up. If Bernie has some more legitimacy, um, he, he might have had some more chops uh, in terms of people like me who are independent-minded, who see the swamp for what it is. And this is what we're looking at, 100%. A lady runs the soda industry, came from the Department of Homeland Security, which is through Bush. You know, how, what is she? She was probably just a simple politi- politician, wannabe, you know, worked on some camp. Look at Stephanopoulos. Let me give you an example. So Stephanopoulos graduates from high, from college, or I guess he was in college. He, in 1991, he said, I want to join a campaign. Who's the most likely to win? So he joined with Bill Clinton. And luckily his team won. Clinton won the presidency. So now Stephanopoulos is a big wig in the swamp. Uh, there's no other way around that. And, you know, all the budding Stephanopoulos who back then joined the Paul Songus campaign, uh, you know, Cuomo, who didn't end up running, Jesse Jackson, you know, they had minor roles in the swamp, but Stephanopoulos was on the right team. So now I got, you know, Kemp Thorne and Susan Neely. She probably came up through the Bush ranks, joined the Bush campaign at some point, and, you know, Bush wins. And now she's running the Soda Beverage Association and turns around now running the American Council for Life Insurers. I mean, just the whole thing. So Stephanoff is making big money. Susan Neely's making big money. Dirk Kempthorne's making big money. All swamp rats, every single one of them. Jay Carney's making big money. I was just reading about uh, a couple of the Hillary, Hillary Rosen, and I forgot, the, uh, I forgot the other lady's name, who are big Democratic politicians, not K Street, but for New York. And uh, they were big on uh, the Attorney General Schneiderman, who just uh, resigned his, his seat as uh Attorney General of the state of New York, even though he's supposed to be a big uh, pro-feminist, even though uh, he was abu- literally physically abusing women, literally uh, in bed and, uh, you know, just beating on these women. Um, it just sick people, all these guys. And Hillary Rosen and the other lady, Anna something, I forgot her name. Anyway, uh, they all supported him, even though they had inside info that this guy was a woman abuser. It's just a swamp. It's, I just, it, it's frustrating. And will it ever change? I don't know. I mean, swamps goes back. The Bolsheviks took over Russia in 1917. Inherently, you thought they would end that swamp, and they did. They ended the swamp of the uh, the Tsarist regime, but they created their own swamp. Let's see. Bernie Sanders, uh, you know, he's part of the swamp. He's not going to end it. Is, is Trump going to create his own swamp? Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, they got this guy, Papadopoulos, who's, you know, now under – He's got eyes all on him. He's just a 24-year-old kid who wanted to be powerful, so he joins the campaign. His campaign happens to win, and all of a sudden he's hot crap, and it's just the way it is. The only way to get rid of the swamp is to take back power from the federal government. There's no other way around that, but I even hate to say it like that. There's swamps in your town. There's swamps in your your state. There's swamps in your county. Um, I was just just reading today. 
the owner of the National Predators. Uh, he, he is in a stadium that is a tax-paid stadium that is owned by the city of Nashville. So the taxpayers of Nashville own the stadium, um, and he pay, he plays in that stadium that's owned by the city, and, he, of course, he's making big bucks off you, the taxpayer. Um, and, you know, as a taxpayer, you have no choice. You got The only choice you have is to get the heck out of Nashville. Um, but if you're a season ticket holder, you don't have to buy tickets anymore. But anyway, it turns out this owner – his not just him, but his team endorsed the Democrat liberal uh, running for mayor uh, because he has a, a contract up in front of the mayor and he endorsed him. Uh, not just this guy, but the team endorsed the Democratic candidate. And, it, and still the primaries have not been decided. So if you're a non if you're a Democratic cam- candidate trying to run the primary, and this guy endorsed your other opponent. You're like, man, what the heck? The, you know, the only reason he did that, yeah, this guy's liberal, I get it. But the only reason he did it is because he has business in front of the town of Nashville to renew his terms that's favorable for him so he can make money. He endorsed uh, the, the Democratic governor who's running, um, who, again, theoretically is a conservative Democrat, even though those really don't exist anymore. Because a Democratic governor paid all kinds of tax benefits to get the national uh, team as a franchise that the NHL allowed. And so, so this guy has made big bucks by the actions of the government. The, the state government was able to lobby the NHL to put a team in Nashville. The city government through the, the town of Nashville was able to, uh, uh, this guy was able to lobby the city government so they could get good deal on a stadium that was built, funded by a taxpayer. And this guy's living high in the hog. Uh, you know, how did this guy get his money? I don't know. I'd have to imagine either one of two things. He was a hedge fund manager or he worked for political campaigns and made his name in political campaigns and then went to his version of what Susan Neely is doing now, going from uh, politics to running uh, lobbying groups. It's just sickening. It's sickening. And yet all these guys, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, they're all part of the swamp, my friends. And I, yeah, will it ever change? I don't know. But uh, I'm not holding my breath. Let's just put it that way. <sighs> it's frustrating. So you can vote for Bernie. I'm going to vote for Trump because at least Trump, I think of anybody that's gone into the swamp, you can tell how much he's hated uh, by the swamp, by his enemies. Jeff Flake. And again, Jeff Flake, I talked about him the other day. When I was looking at the Arizona tax code, he was he ran the Goldwater Institute. And you know, if you're not from Arizona, you might not know the Goldwater Institute is a huge source of libertarian policy. The voucher school voucher was basically birthed in Arizona. And I forgot the lady's name, uh, who is a Department of Education under Fife Symington, I think. And I forgot her name, but she ran the voucher program in Arizona that expanded it to Minneapolis, to Milwaukee, to other areas of where kids were getting des- horrible education, Indianapolis, run by go- Democratic governor, uh, mayors. And she was not right wing. I mean, they call her right wing. She's libertarian. This is the Goldwater Institute where Flake was a, the mem- was a head of. And now Flake goes to D.C. and he becomes a swamp. It's I just it's it's ah. and again, it's not just D.C., it's politics as a whole. So Arizona, run by Jeff Flake, I mean, it was a libertarian, not a mecca, but man, it was about as close to libertarian paradise as you could get in the 90s, which is one of the reasons we wrote, relocated there. 
And then Flake, who's part of that, I mean, he was leading the way, decides to run for Congress and Senate. And all of a sudden he's a swan creature. It's just this. Look at Joe Scarborough. He was a congressman from the panhandle of Florida, the redneck Riviera. You know, he voted to impeach Bill Clinton. And now he relocates to D.C. and he's a swamp creature. It's just it's sickening. All right. So with that said, you know, what do you do? Well, you live your life the best you can because frustration isn't going to change anything. You just you find your candidate who this is what I do now for now on going. Who's the person most likely to not be a swamp creature? Um I'll never forget a long time ago, there's a guy named Ned Lamont in, uh, in Connecticut who beat Joe Lieberman in the Connecticut primary. Joe Lieberman's a good guy. Um, you know, he's, you cannot represent a swamp creature anymore. He's a good man. He loves his country, but he was a swamp through and through. Yeah, no different than John McCain. So John McCain version uh, for the Republicans uh, would be Joe Lieberman for the Democrats. Uh, you know, they take a lot of people off because they're swamp creatures through and through. And they made a lot of money for a lot of people who have uh, you know attached their flag to the swamp. But anyway, he got beat in the primary in Connecticut by Ned Lamont. And, uh, and Ned Lamont was, you know, left wing as all can be. You know, he's a rabble rouser. Uh, but you don't know who Ned Lamont is anymore, do you? Ned Lamont's long gone. I wonder what Ned Lamont's doing. Actually, I'm going to look him up real quick. Um, but Joe Lieberman, no, he ran as an independent. And he he won and he still remained in the swamp. And so here's Ned Lamont. Uh, I, which, OK, so Ned Lamont, he founded uh, Campus Televideo, which provides video and data services to U.S. college campuses. The company was sold in 2015. He's currently chairman of the Lamont Digital Strategies and early investor and watch up and, and Springer, both new media companies. Uh, he is a, a faculty member and chair of the Arts and Sciences Public Policy Committee at Central Connecticut State University, uh, where his name is a distinguished professor of political science and philosophy. So is, he ran. OK, so we don't know him from political, but it's easy for this guy um, to be to continue on in academia because academia loves left wing rabble rousers like this guy. And so he uh, he beat uh, Lieberman in the uh, in the, the, the Democratic um, primary. But he ended up losing uh, to Lieberman uh, in the in this general election uh, because Lieberman basically was <laughs> was well established within the Connecticut swamp. But for Lamont, it doesn't stop him from becoming a distinguished uh, professor of political science at Central Connecticut State University. So how many swamp creatures from the right or not? How many anti swamp creatures from the right are going to be a professor from the distinguished professor of a local school? Is the answer is going to be none. If you're coming from the right, and again, the right is libertarian, not from the right like a freaking far right, but libertarian right, no one's going to want anything to do with you. So you're going to compete with two people. You're going to compete with the swamp, and you're going to compete with academia and the media. So Ned Lamont was a media darling for sure um, because he's from the left, and they knew they could buy him out. Absolutely. It's the swamp creatures from the right that uh, that joined the swamp, like Joe Scarborough and whatnot, John McCain, these guys, Jeff Flake, because they want the media accolades. Truly a swamp. If you want to be anti-swamp, you got to come at it from the left, from the right. The left will always fall because they're swamp creatures inherently. They have the media on their side. They have academia on their side. They have Hollywood on their side without question. If you want to be anti-swamp, you got to come at it from the right. And that'd be the libertarian right, not the freaking right, like, 
I don't even know what the right is. It's just a libertarian right where you say, hey, let people do what they want to do. We're going to reduce the size of government. Uh, unfortunately, those people aren't going to get any notoriety because they are hated across the board. They're hated by the Republicans. They're hated by you know media. They're hated by academia. They're hated by Hollywood. And so it's hard for a swamp creature, for a non-swamp creature from the right to gain any uh, foothold. It's just hard. But when they do it, you know, they have to be th thick skinned like the Trumpster because he's the only guy who can take on the swamp. If you're uh, coming out the swamp from the left, you will quickly be engulfed as we can see what's happened with Bernie Sanders and Ned Lamont. Sad. All right. Well, I hope this helps. I mean, whatever. It's just my ranting. I get it. Like, you know, whatever. I'm going to end with a song of the day. Uh, it's called Hersham Boys uh, from Sham 69. And Hersham Boys in the UK back in the day, and it's just sad what's happened actually. Uh, the white working class actually had a distinct uh, just personality. Um, this is before my time. This is in the 70s. And, you know, basically uh, I was what, eight, nine, 10 years old. Uh, but there's a white working class that was distinct that is no longer around hardly anymore in, in most Western civilizations, which is too bad. And, and there's a reason for their existence um, because they came from miners. They came from just, you know, the they just came from hard work, labor. And there's a reason why the labor unions had so much uh, need for, for to represent these guys because the coal miner owners, the, the owners of the big firms could care less what happened to their employees. And thus the labor unions uh, had to represent them. Unfortunately, again, as with all things, uh, it, the labor unions became hostile towards the interests of their own people. And there's no other way around that. And so the white working class actually became Thatcherites. Now, this is and boys. They have, I don't think they were Thatcherites back then. But I think as time you know, showed, they would, uh, and I'm not speaking for Sham 69, the band. I'm speaking for the people who enjoyed that kind of music, who came from the white working class. Most of them are, would actually end up supporting Margaret Thatcher over, uh, even over the labor unions that supposedly represented them because they see where the labor unions, what they did just like the Republican Party, just like the Labor Party, just like the Tories, just like the Conservative Party, whatever. You know, they, they violated the all tendencies of supporting the, the working class. They just, they just went for the money. And the money is always going to be on the left and it'll be on the right. And they're always going to combine to form the swamp. But if you're outside that, if you're just working um, as, a, as in particular a white guy, no one has anything to do with you. They, they, they despise you. And uh, it's too bad because back in the day, you know, bands like Sham 69 and whatnot, there, there was a good punk rock component art, you know, oi component. It wasn't racist. It was just, hey, from the streets, you know, from the working class area taking on the government and uh, in, a, in a mocking way, not a commie way, but a mocking way like, hey, we're just going to be who we are, somewhat of a hooligan, but just seems like those days are gone. And it's, uh, it's too bad because the people aren't gone. There's still lots of white working class people who've got no voice, which is what leads to people like Trump. And, uh, you know, there needs to be more people like that because there's a segment of society that's being overlooked for sure. It's not just skin color, by the way. I mean, there's lots of black people who are being affected in America by these just unencumbered immigration policies that are hurting the cost of labor. No other way around that. There's lots of people out there, not just, and even immigrants who come here the right way, um, just being devastated by the swamp and their just desire to import a labor force that will work for pennies. 
And I don't ba- blame the immigrants or the laborers. I mean, they're coming from these hell holes of Venezuela and whatnot. I don't blame them at all. They come here to work and they work hard because they're looking at us as, a, as what we are, which is a shining city on the hill. And I, man, I got no antipathy towards them whatsoever. I have it for the politicians, though, and the, the rich people, the Chamber of Commerce are bringing these people on board to take the jobs away from the people who are born and raised and pay the taxes who need the most. It's horrific just so we can save a little bit on labor so we can have more money and capital to, to be able to invest back in the swamp. It's such a vicious cycle. I get more profits because I got cheap labor. Some of those profits got geared towards the labor unions or I can gear it towards the American Council of Life Insurers. Yeah, it's just it's such a swamp, man. It's bad. And, uh, and there are people who are just unduly being affected by this. And uh, I, I wish you would stop. But the swamp exists. Susan Neely. I don't know her. She's probably a nice person. Part and parcel of the swamp, my friends. Part and parcel of the swamp. Starts her way in politics, finds her way running the <laughs> beverage uh, association, which is literally killing people in front of our very eyes with their freaking horrible products, and then turns over and takes over for Dick Kempthorne, a swamp creature in of himself, to run the American Council of Life Insurers. Again, just imagine if the guy who ran or the lady who ran the, the tobacco industry took over life insurance. It's just it boggles the mind. All right. Well, uh, listen to a song by Sham 69, Hershen Boys. I love it. You'll love it, too. The video is fantastic, actually. If you look at it, it's old. old we're talking 78, 79, maybe even 76. Uh, but it's great. It's good stuff. It'll, it'll give you back what it used to be in the day. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash heritage wealth planning, all one word. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Josh Gamma podcast and uh, then go to the website, heritagewealthplanning.com. All right, my friends, we'll see you next time on the Josh Gamma podcast. Thanks now. <laughs>